you know, people say to chill. Man, it wasn't a chill. I just didn't have anything, man. And that's the voice of NFL legend Steve Smith, and I'm Chris Weidman, and this is Won't Back Down, presented by BioAccelerator. Steve Smith is the absolute man when it comes to living in the Carolinas. He's so well-respected for the way he played football, but also the way he carries himself off the football field. he has a, a, an awesome foundation called the Steve Smith Family Foundation that does uh, great work uh, around this area. And, um, you know, he's just, he's just incredibly respected. He's an NFL network analyst. He hosts the podcast called Cut To It, uh, which I'm going to be joining him on his podcast here in the next couple of weeks, which I really look forward to it. Um, I really wanted to talk to him because to talk to someone that has accomplished as much as him while being only five foot nine as a wide receiver in the NFL, not being the fastest, not being the the biggest, uh, but becomes one of the greatest of all time, uh, as far as wide receivers go in the NFL, he played with this like fighting spirit, this heart, you know, that really was so obvious just watching the game, of how much heart he had uh, and tenacity on every single play. Um, and after talking to some of his teammates, finding out that he uh, had that same tenacity in the practice in the practice room and also talking to his strength coach, finding out how much of a beast this guy was in the strength room. Uh, I was just really looking forward to talking to him. That's coming up in a moment. But before we begin, I want to tell you about Won't Back Down's presenting sponsor, BioAccelerator. BioAccelerator is the world leader in stem cell therapy and regenerative medical research. Through the use of their powerful golden stem cells, they help patients heal from joint and orthopedic injuries, autoimmune disorders, spine and disc damage, and neurological trauma. I went down to Medellin, Colombia, and I got my treatment from BioAccelerator, and I feel amazing. I highly recommend you guys checking them out. Um, it's a first-class organization. Um, they, they treated me like gold. The treatments were amazing. And uh, I feel great. And everybody, every athlete that I know that went down there has came out with amazing results. Uh, thanks again to BioAccelerator for sponsoring Won't Back Down. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Steve Smith, which is also available on the Chris Weidman YouTube channel. You weren't the, the biggest you weren't maybe the fastest. You were definitely fast, so I don't want to come up, come at you with that. But not the fastest. But you still became one of the greatest of all time uh, because, in my view, and from what I hear from most people, is your heart, your determination, like this chip that you had on your shoulder, this mean streak. You know, uh, every practice was like a game for you. Yeah. Um, where did that come from? That's a great question. Um, it's interesting because I just got I just got back home. I just got back to Charlotte from home. Uh, unfortunately, watching my Utah Utes uh, slip away and and lose to Ohio State. Mm. Um, Close game, man. We was up 0 and we lost by three. Four ends oh, end up end up being forty eight. I think forty eight forty five. Damn. Right. Damn. And um, but. <clears throat> Uh, I, I took my oldest son out there with me and we, we watched the game, but um, we had stayed away from the team hotel. I didn't stay with the team because I kind of wanted to just have his father and son time and just me and him. And so um, they stayed, the team hotel was in downtown and we stayed um, probably about, it was like 20 minutes from the team hotel. And so I had the opportunity to drive um, through some areas that I grew up in to show my boy. And then we end up stopping. Um, you, you've you been to L.A., of course, I'm assuming. And, you yes, know, like, sir. little, you know, the little mom and pops, whether it's the, the burger stands or the or the taco stands. Yep. Right. Or you got the ones that are selling tacos, burgers, all in all encompassing. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
And man, we stopped and grabbed something to eat. And we just sat, sat out there and it was on Pico Boulevard. Like right before we get to uh, now they call it the, obviously the crypto centers downtown where and downtown is, you know, it's, it's totally different than when it was when I was living back home in Los Angeles. And we were sitting there eating, we were sitting there eating some tacos and I was looking around and I was smiling. And my son was looking around and he's like, what are you smiling at? And so when we finally got back in the car, I was driving back and I just said, when I was sitting there, I was remembering I had went to this taco stand when I was when I was younger, when I was riding the bus and stuff. And I always wondered, is this the best my life is going to be? Right. Am I always going to be on the bus? Am I always going to be grinding? Am I always going to be struggling? Are we always am I always going to be looking for a meal? The cheapest and, and the cheapest meal that I can get that can fill me up. And what was really, really cool is I'm with my 24 year old son who's kicking tail and taking names. He lives he lives here in Charlotte, works for a financial firm, um, just got a pay raise, blah, blah, blah. But he goes, you know, dad, I was sitting there thinking. I wonder what. It would be like to live like this. And it was interesting because I was saying, remembering when I lived that way and he's going, I don't know how you made it. And it was and it was generation. It's a generational conversation. Pop, son, poor. Well, you know, my man ain't never had a need. Right. Right. And so just that contrast. And so the long winded answer to that is basically for me. And I wasn't my mom and my pops and they were they were just they worked their ass off. Right. They were they were in the rat race every single day. And. You know, people say to chip. And it wasn't a chip. Really was what it was for me now at 42 years old after what we all been through. I just didn't have anything, man. Right. And when you wake up, you don't have shit. Your mentality, you're fucking hungry. And and when I say hungry, I'm not talking about hungry and, you know, physically. I'm just talking about like you're going. I don't want to live this way every single day for the next 50 years like this. It's, 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 it's exhausting. It's it's discouraging. It's tough. Um, it builds up so much hardness in your heart where you are so, you look at everybody with what is your angle and genuine friends, you just, you keep at arm's length. And so for me, what, you know, where did it come from is, and it came from, I, I you know, and I, and there's a lot, there's a lot of guys out there that, that play ball or didn't play ball that had, had it worse than me. You know, just like an injury that like you've sustained. Mm. When you're poor or when you're injured, that injury feels like it's the worst injury that could possibly happen until the next injury. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yep. When you're hungry, when you're poor, when you're struggling, that day is the worst day until the next time you get back to that to the bottom. Yeah. And for me, as I, I was, I was so far at the bottom. I wasn't willing to necessarily kill people to get there, but I did things that I sit back now and I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed of. Like a quick story, I, I grew up in Utah. Me and my wife have, you know, our oldest, and I woke up one day and we didn't have, we had like two diapers, we didn't have any food, and so I went to this grocery store, took the license plate off the car. And basically stole a gross uh, car full of groceries. Mm. And last last August, I went back to that grocery store, and I paid that money back to the store. That's awesome, right? But bro, 
That was 20 years ago. It took me 20 years to do that. That is crazy. You just, it gave me chills. Um, I got kids too. And, you know, obviously I'm, I grew up in a tougher neighborhood and went through, you know, more tough situations than my kids could ever imagine. But what made you great is that like, what made you great is all those things that you went through. Is that something that you tried to instill into your kids no. because they didn't have those experiences, right? Bro, so, I, I, I wish I didn't because what it made me great on the football field, it fucked up my personal life. Right. It makes you, it makes you very callous. It makes you look at everybody sideways. Right. Like, you know, somebody come up to me and I'm like, what do they want? Mm. Um, I was, you know, I was at the game and some dude bumped up to me and he felt like he was trying to go for my wallet and he was actually trying to get a pitch. I said, Hey man, back up. <laughs> I said, back up. Man. You, I said, you, you're going to get put to sleep now. Yeah. Just, and he's like, you know, sorry, sorry. And I was like, man, you just, you know, and I'm, there's times where, you know, less and less on edge, but it's just, it's hard to relax when you've been in a world where, man, relaxing to get your life to relax. You know, like I was telling my son is like, you may, we'd be eating at that taco shop and man, you'd be with your boys or you'd be dope, you'd be solo or you'd be with maybe one friend and somebody sees you and then they roll up and you got to decide, man, do I fight this individual or do I try to de-escalate it? You know, but if you try to de-escalate, you get your ass whooped and they take your lunch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, so to turn that light switch on at any moment, man, it, it, you start to live that. Right. You, there is no off switch. Right. And so just so for me, um, you know, there was I never took I mean, it's, it's taken me a long time to even take compliments. Right. Even for my wife, I used to she'll be give me a compliment, man. I'll, I'll speed bump through it like she never even said yeah. it. Right. Yeah. So at what point when like when did you start trying to change that that about you? And when did you start like identifying that in yourself as something that you got to like improve on? Um, probably I had a, a, a sports psychologist, so that was good. That helped me with sports. Um, I had it before it was in, you know, um, and then near the end of my career, I started doing counseling. And now that I'm done, I do counseling, um, right. Just to go, just to get through some of the things that, you know, uh, a 10, 12, 14-year-old kid shouldn't be having to deal with, right? At 12, 13, 14, man, I was doing stuff and have responsibilities that a 20-year-old should have, you know? Um, you know, I was, I was washing dishes. I was washing dishes on a stool when I was in kindergarten, first grade. Damn. Right? My mom put me on a stool to wash dishes. She said, <laughs> we, don't need, we don't need no dishwasher. You the dishwasher. Gotcha. Right. Um, high school, middle school, mom used to work. So I would, you know, I had to cook uh, dinner for when we got home. I had to cook dinner for me and my brother um, every night. So I had to do that. And then I had to clean the kitchen as well. After uh, on the weekends, I had to clean in the morning. I would clean the kitchen, mop the floor and then at dinner. So every meal, if my mom made us a meal, I had to clean the kitchen. Right. I knew I'd. I, I knew how to iron. Um, I know how to sew. Like I can sew a button on if I need to. Um, if there's a hole in the shirt, I can sew that up, needle and thread. Um, you know, so, I mean, to be able to do it, you know, at such a young age, yeah, at 20, at 40, 20, 30 years old, so it's beneficial. But, you know, I remember one time my mom came to a game a, soft, a baseball game and she was upset because I didn't clean the dishes and like I'm on the sideline and she's like come here you know there's a black man twice over here get over here and she came over there you didn't clean the dishes and I'm like you know now I'm 42 so I'm, yeah. I'm like yeah. I don't, I'm at a baseball game you know <laughs> 
Man, moms didn't give a fuck. Yeah. She want those damn dishes clean. Was your was your dad around or no? What you say? Was your dad around or no? Yeah, hell, my dad was the coach. Oh, and really? So he was he super. He was supportive of uh, of your sports and everything, athletics. He was, but he was also man. Like, I guess, like my dad was like one of those guys. I was in the. Uh, I drop a pass in high school, man, and he'd be like, "Get him out." <laughs> <laughs> That's he want. He wants you benched. Yeah, like man, catch the ball, okay. man. So, uh, but I mean, my dad was my dad was super sports was big in my family. So, um, sports is big in our family. But I try to um, let's see, my my oldest, I screwed it up with him with sports. Um, but the other two now, uh, my 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 sixteen year old and my seven year old. Um, now, when they go to the game, I just be like, "Good job. What do you want to eat?" Right, chilling out, trying to make it a good time. Yeah. Exactly. So how'd you how'd you mess it up with your oldest? Man, you know, you know, when you make it, you you know the pedigree. So you try to get him to make it. Yeah. Right. Um she played soccer. He was a hell of a soccer player. Um, but you know, he didn't he didn't have the same work ethic as me, and but it was different. He worked. He just did it differently, and so I, I screwed that up a little bit. But um, he he's come back around and says, you know, I, I I get it, and so it was good. But you know, it was one of those uh, we joke around a lot. But he was our he was our guinea pig, right? He was yeah. <laughs> well, you guys had him pretty young, right? Yeah. So you guys were figuring it out at yeah, an early we, age. Man, shit, we still trying to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I know there's no science to it. There's no instruction manual because you've seen, I've seen guys who are super successful that have had those parents that are on them and, you know, all over them at every practice, every game. And, you know, saying things that you don't think they should be saying to their kid yeah. and, and the kid ends up making it. You know, I think the majority of the time they probably don't, but still every once in a while you see it be successful. And then you also see the other way where parents are kind of just chill out. The parents don't even realize what kind of sport their kid is doing. Yeah. And the kid ends up making it. And yeah. obviously some people don't. So it's yeah. it's hard to figure out. Yeah. yeah you, know? you know what I mean? I I struggle. I'm I got a 10-year-old son that I'm it's a struggle. He's athletic and I but athleticism only takes you so far. You gotta work hard. And things came easy for him, you know, and then you got video games and you know, you I'm like, man, I want to instill, you know, good habits in them early. And yeah. in order to do that, you gotta push them. And I but you also know you don't want to be pushing them. You know, yeah. they're gonna have to figure it out on their own. And it comes down to passion. I don't know. I, I'm this is a constant, it's a constant battle of figuring out the best way to handle uh, kids for sure. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can't help you. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds like your older one's doing good, man. So man, he's oh, man, I'm, so, I'm so proud of him. Yeah. Uh, so proud of what he's doing, how he's doing it. You know, he's uh he's he's a cool kid. He's a cool kid. That's awesome. Uh, t- tell me about I, you went to you went to junior college first, yeah. which mm-hmm. uh, you know is, is a rare thing uh, because most of the time I went to junior college too, and you know I had bad grades. I didn't pass Division One clearinghouse, so most of the kids that go to junior college don't make it out of junior college. You know what I mean? They because they stay in the same town that they grew up in. They're around the same friends, the same influences that got them those bad grades to to go to junior college, and unless they make a change in themselves, it's hard to get it out of there. Get out of there. And make it and make it, uh, you know, to Division One. Uh, tell me about that experience for you, man. Junior college was a great opportunity for me. Um, I, I actually had dyslex- dyslexia, and because of that, um, at that time, you're talking about in the '90s, it was, you know, ADHD didn't really have. ADHD had the stigma, right? ADHD is kind of like how mental health was a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. where yeah. it was like something's wrong with that kid, right? Yeah. Um, and so what they did for me is they just put me in special ed classes. And so I was in special ed classes, but I was killing it because I wasn't special ed. I just needed a little bit of slowing down the curriculum for me. And so to be kind of put in that and put in those classes my junior year, 
it really, I was kind of stuck. And so I started to kind of, well, actually sophomore year, I kind of felt like I, I was just kind of left alone and just kind of abandoned. Um, I remember I was in ninth grade and I was in middle, I was in ninth grade and they said, actually eighth grade, they had put me in remedial English. And the teacher said, do you, does anybody have a problem with this class is remedial English. And I was so far behind and I didn't even really know what it was. I didn't know. I'm like, man, I'm good. It's English, but I didn't know what it was. And so I just, you know, I always had education wise, I was always deficient. And until I really got into high school and really started to take ownership. And then my mom actually put me with an organization called the Urban League and my grades increased and changed. And I was able to, to understand time management, understand some of my deficiencies and how I can do it and how I can overcome it. And, and by the time I figured it out, I was in, I was a senior in high school graduating on time. And so for me, junior college was really the only path because I didn't take the SAT. Um, I didn't really have a lot of resources economically. We didn't have any money, right? So junior college was my path. And I already was told by people that I wasn't going to make it anyway. Um, and so I was determined to do it. And so just to, you know, corporate America uses this a lot. And they say, you know, bet on me, bet on yourself. Entrepreneurs and, and, and business folks, I kind of giggle at because I don't have a degree. All I have is life experiences. And I see you can have a degree, you can have this and you can check all the boxes, but you ha- but the life experiences and the business experiences you have, you've conjured up your statistics on how good you actually are. And you're willing to bet on yourself as an employee to elevate yourself to different organizations. For me, betting on myself was, I know what I'm capable of and I'm gonna be the CEO of my own company. And so what I did, when I got a scholarship to Utah, I didn't take math all of junior college. I had to test out. Guess when the test is? The last week of school. And you find out by testing out, if you pass, you graduate and go to scholarship. What you think I did? I tested out. Yeah. I bet it on me. Everybody else was in there and I was in there like, man, I'm about, I'm about to get what I need to get. What do I need? A 26? A, a 21 out of 30? All right. right (laughs) so you had but you had so you did have confidence like a hidden confidence when it came to academics and like your intelligence even though you didn't have like the most positive reinforcement with it at that point man for a long time even people now even say when i do tv they go oh he's not very smart and i used to believe i wasn't smart bro I stopped believing what other people say. Like people all the time, like, man, he can't speak. He can't do this. And he's not very good on TV. And what I really laugh at is that direct deposit says us well. <laughs> that direct deposit and that yeah. contract that I got says, yeah. we like you. Yeah. Right. And so I just, you know, so for me, like in that, in, in JC, so I tested out, I passed and I went on University of Utah and it's all said, but. I, I really, um, my, my confidence is in my preparation, right? And, and my confidence builds as I go over things in my mind, right? For me, it starts my heart, my head, and I go over it, I go over it. And then when I'm ready, you know, sometimes I was talking to a buddy, he was like, man, well, I need to do this. It's, you know, I should have did this three weeks ago. And I told him, well, if you were thinking about it three weeks ago, you weren't ready to do what you did today three weeks ago because you were using those three weeks to formulate your plan to be able to execute it. And so that's how I am. I'm very visual. I'm a 
pen and paper guy. I write everything down. I, you know, I highlight, I circle, I, I, I visualize, give me, give me an ink pen, a piece, a notepad and a calculator. And I will figure out some stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I got a question for you. So I talked to your boy, uh, Graham Gano. He was your teammate for a little bit. He lives, he lives, yeah, in, the, yeah, he lives yeah, in my yeah, community. And I mean, he said he said out of everybody he's ever been on a team with, you're one of his you know favorite teammates he's ever had because you would keep people accountable. If you didn't like somebody, they knew you didn't like them. But if you did like someone, they knew you liked them and you had their back. You know, they just knew you were a loyal dude and you're gonna have their back. And then they had your back at the same time. Um, he also said you're one of the biggest freaks he's ever seen. Same thing with Jed as freak athleticism. Thank you. I appreciate that. And. That you got to pause with that. When you when two men are talking and you ask another man if he's a freak, you got to. You got to put athleticism on that. Yeah, that, that's a tech. One of those, another one, you, you, you're going to be out the game. <laughs> <laughs> My question is, um, all these dudes saying that you're super athletic, you, you know, you're this freak athlete. Um, did you always see yourself as, as that? Or do you feel like it was more like hard work and like things that you did mentally – and just the work that you put in over time to get that praise? I think it was both. Um, it's really hard to kind of say, like, you know, now it's frowned upon, you know, as older player, when you older former player, you say, oh, this is what I used to do. You know, you don't want to be that guy, right? Yeah. But, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were asking me about my, my regiment off season. And I, as I was talking to him, I was I was connecting the dots. And and me and you use the same workout guy, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the things that I did with Jed, he would tell me that he you know now that I'm done, he he can't do that with other guys, right? So yes, some of it was genetics and and, and gifts, and then some of it was also too my genetics and my gifts also I push myself so I was always pushing myself as well so like I can jump out the gym so we would put a weight vest on to jump out the gym yeah yeah, yeah. I would do a workout an hour workout with Jed and probably the first 50 minutes of the workout would be I'll have this 15 pound weight vest on through the whole workout. Yeah. Go in the bathroom, puke, come back out, gargle some water, and finish the cardio. Yeah. Right? And he'd be like, right? I would literally go in the bathroom, puke, and then finish the workout. Hell and he'd yeah. look at me like, are you serious? Right? But then there was other times I would do the workout, and I wasn't feeling it that day. And I'm like, I'm done, dog. Yeah. He'd be like, what you mean? Man, I'm fucking finished, bro. I'm done. He's like, so what are you going to do? I'm going to take my ass home. I'll see your ass tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? And, and he'll be like, because I knew my body. I knew, I knew sometimes today ain't going to work, right? Yeah. But he would tack on those 30 minutes. If I, if, if I were 15 minutes in and I quit, He'd be like, cool. All right. When we doing it again, I, I, you know, say it was a Wednesday. I'll say, all right, I'll come back Friday. He was like, cool. You got extra time. So he would tack on the extra 45 minutes from that Friday that I didn't do. He was like, oh, no, you ain't shortcutting. Yeah. Jet does not play. Yeah. Right? He, he won't feel bad for you. No. That's one thing with him. I'll, he'll be killing me. I'll be on the floor kind of rolling around after some exercise that he made me do. And, yeah. I like I'll be I'll be I'll, I'll make it like I'm crying. I look up and he's just walking to the next exercise. He's not even there looking at me anymore. And I'm like, you yeah. gotta be kidding me. He doesn't feel bad for me at all. And I get I, I get up and just follow him. But <laughs> I wouldn't. I'd, he'd be like, come on. I'd be like, no, I'll get there. Yeah, <laughs> I'll get there tomorrow. I'll, I'll get there. Hey, Steve. I used to tell him, hey, bro, you took that check. What you what I do with my time is what I do with my time. <laughs> <laughs> that is hysterical. Yeah, nah, he's he's a freaking beast. Oh, he's a, he's, a, he's great. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Um, 
it's so hard. It's so hard to put to to kind of draw a conclusion on like freak athleticism versus hard work. Um, you got to have both, though. Here's why. And you've seen it in your sport. I think Conor McGregor is a great example. When, as you get older, there are things, there are parts of your game that is going to change, right? That when you're when you're young and freakish, athletic, from the shoulders below, you can make up for any deficiencies from the shoulders up. Because I went to Utah and I had some good coaches, I knew playing the Utah man, we're going to Wyoming. Ain't no damn, ain't no really, I mean, Josh Allen has come from from Wyoming, but none, no real superstars have come from Wyoming, right? Mm-hmm. And so playing Wyoming, Air Force, Colorado, State, like, there's some guy, you know, every blue moon they get some players, right? Back, back, back in the 90s. So we had, especially Air Force. If you played Air Force, you had, if you had a trick play, you had to be, you had to execute it and be precise because you cannot run that trick play on them again because they are our military. They do not make mistakes twice. And so understanding the game was always important at Utah because of the, the, the schemes that w- teams we were playing. We weren't playing like Ohio State where you can have an okay scheme, but you have so many great athletes that the athleticism makes the scheme look good. Yeah. Right? Well, Utah, you got to know both. And so – when I came into the league, I understood how to play ball. I understood I had to master my craft, but also had athleticism that I still was figuring out too, right? You got, you got to think about it. A five, nine, you know, 100 187, 192 pounds. You know, you, my measurements are, I got double X XL hand size. I got a size 12 and a half shoe. And I got the wingspan of a 6'2", right? 6'2 wide receiver, right? And I'm a 42 in coat, but I'm a 44 regular because of my my length of my arm, <laughs> right? So I'm ass backwards, right? Yeah, yeah. right? I'm, I'm, a, I'm really a 34, 32 waist, but because of my thighs, I'm a 36 in pants. Yeah. Right. But then my calves, I'm a 17, I think it was like 16, 17 and a half in my calves. Right. So some of my custom suits, I had to get like my left leg was bigger than my right. And so I had to like they had to do all those little nuances. Right. Yeah. So structurally, I'm not technically even in the health department. I'm considered obese, five, nine, almost 200 pounds. Yeah. You know, so all of that stuff. So I, I, I always. Was I, I had to I had to know the game. I had to know what's going on. I had to know my measurements. I had to know my body type, right? Also, my family structure, my mom's side and my dad's side. Type two diabetes diabetes is prevalent, right? So all of those things are in in factor. Um, I couldn't wear contacts, but I actually still to this day wear glasses. My right eye, my I think my my left eye is 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 weaker than my right. So like I wear glasses and my left eye is like, like I got this like bifocal and then my right eye is, 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 it's not, it's almost like it's not even really a prescription. So I had all these deficiencies that I had to stay on top of. Right. And, and so I understood learning health, learning the game for me. And it was the only way I was going to make it. And yeah. so I, I learned so much about myself and health and all that stuff to the point of where it wasn't just a lifestyle, man. It was the only way I was going to maintain it and keep it. Gotcha. What was what was your uh, thing heading into these practices and into these games? Um, was it a competition with yourself? Were you trying to like just become the best version of yourself every single day? Yeah. Uh, was there like there's... goals that you wanted to hit? <clears throat> there were there was goals that I had daily goals. 
uh, short term, uh, three to six month goals, year goals, lifetime goals, right? I had all these things, but on game day, man, I just wanted, I, I just wanted Merck to do it in front of me. That's it. Yeah. You know, just like, I, I just, I just had no, I, I respected a guy. I respected every guy I went against. However, I played a guy like I had no respect for. It's, it's like a fight. It's, it's a very similar mindset that you want to go into a fight with. You know, you, you have to respect your opponent, but at the end of the day, you cannot over-respect them. You got to know that you're going to dominate him. Like, I respected my opponent. And, and people say, well, how did you respect him? The difference how I respected my opponent was my all training with Jed was there because of how I respected my opponent. Now, once my offseason ended and we got into the season and I had my routine, my routine and my training in the offseason said, I respect you enough to train to kick your ass during the season mm-hmm. and show you no respect while yeah. I do it. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then the next year I would do the same thing because I had a whole new guys that I had to line up against, opponents that I had to study and know. And so that's what it was. I respected you so much that I trained to be able to not respect you when yeah. we were on the field. Yeah. My fear was like if my fear was February, March, April, May, June, July. Motherfucker, August come. Ha oh, oh. <laughs> You know, buckle up, buttercup. I'm about yeah. to do, I'm about to do you wrong. I love it. What um uh, you you were a big trash talker. Like what? How much? How much thought and how much art was in your trash talk? Or were you just out there having fun? So my mom is one of thirteen. Okay, and I have four kids. So my aunts and uncles each averaged two point seven. We averaged like three. So between my grandmother, my mother, me, and my kids, there are 65 of us alive and kicking. <laughs> Damn. Right? So you can imagine and you add the, the, the ethnicity of things. You add the, the, the prejudice of things of like the barbecues, dominoes, kino, spade, tonk, rummy. Um all of that stuff. I I watched my family play dominoes and my aunts and uncles talk mad. Like my uncle tell my aunt calling my uncle or bleepity bleep, my uncle calling my aunt bleepity bleep, get your ass off this table. Right. To where in my family, if you couldn't count, you weren't allowed to play dominoes. You weren't allowed to play cards. But when you learn how to count, you are open season. So, man, about 14 years old, I'm I'm, I'm on the spades and dominoes table playing with 40, 50-year-old men who've been smoking, who've been drinking. Man, they don't care. They, they calling you stupid and, you know, you giving up the booty like that, you know, and all that stuff. So, for me, I I just grew up around it. So when you started playing sports and you look, you look at a dude in his eye, you can see the fear. And then, you know, and you, you're doing them wrong. And then all of a sudden you say something and you could kind of see them deflate. And then it just became this thing where I saw my uncle talking to my aunt. I saw my aunt talking to my uncle and she said this, and I saw that fear or that unconfident look in his eye. Cause I'm a people watcher. And I also started to watch and see and I started to see it in other people. So you start to pick it up. And then all of a sudden, when you're playing and you start saying something, when I was 12, I saw my, my aunt say that to my uncle. And I saw how he, 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 put, his, he put that car back in his hand. Mm. He doubted himself. So if I can make that, if I know my uncle, my uncle Tim or my uncle Ronald, who's very confident, he doubt himself. Man, I know this Willie lunch meat. I know this dude. I've seen this before. So my uncle doubts himself and he doubts himself. I got him, just like my aunt got my uncle. 
And, and so you start now and starts playing this game where it became routine for me to talk because when I talked, but if a guy talked to me and got me riled up, I would actually focus harder. Like I was one of those guys, if you made it personal, that was a mistake. Because now my laser focusness, it, it sends me back to I'm back at the taco stand <laughs> and I see this dude come across and I know I got to turn this light switch on because I can't get my ass whooped and lose my lunch money. Was that part of it also like the, this dude has not gone through what I've gone through yet? He, he wasn't he he didn't have those experiences that I've had experiences that I've had and uh it gave you an extra confidence to deal with that, like those mental hurdles with trash talking. Man, it was. For me, I didn't ever really talk about dudes, family and that stuff. I would just look at him like, bro, you're not very good. Right. And, I, and I'm a dog cusher. And, and or I would a lot of times I would like I catch the ball, spin it. And I would say, I don't know why they think you can. They allowed this dude to cover me today. <laughs> and I would be talking to myself out loud. Yeah. And he happened to be there, but I really wasn't really talking to him. I was talking about him. He got to hear what I was saying. And I line up. Oh, and he'd be like, oh, is that how you feel? I'm like, who are you talking to? <laughs> oh, that's how you feel? I said, bro, that's what's going on. And you're about to catch another one too. Come, come on up here and press me, bitch. Come on, come on up here and press me. I love it. Right. Uh, and so it was, it was just different. Right. And and so sometimes I would just, but what's crazy is Jed would tell you, I would have those same dialogues with myself. We're like, what are we doing? Oh, we're not gonna show up today. Right. And Jed would be like, uh-oh. Right. And so having those conversations. So it, it, it was part of who I was and it was part of it was part of me. And it was something that I would challenge myself in front of an individual. Like, say, you know, hypothetically, me and you're fighting and you hit me in the face. I'm like, oh, so he just going to try to hit you today like that. And he think you're not going to hit him back. And so now I will come back at you like with a haymakers. And you'll be like, oh, you're, you're trying to be like, here it comes. But the thing is, is I would be willing to bet that you will hit, hit me. You may hit me 10 times and I'll hit you 10 times. But I'm betting when I hit you 10 times that you're going to feel seven of those that's going to make you go uncle versus you hitting me. I'm going to eat those and I'm going to eat them. But I want to see, can you outlast me? I like, if you it. want to stand up and square and punch, let's drop dogs. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, I love and, that. Right? And and so that's how that's how I would, that like, if I was, you know, UFC, that's what I would do. It's like, all right, I'm not grappling. Let's go. We're going to yeah. sit in the middle of the octagon, punch for punch. Let's go. Yeah. And and that's abnormal. That's not, you know, that's not what they want. And so yeah. for me, that's what I would do. I'm willing to bet that I could eat more punches. But I'm also willing to bet I'm going to sock you in your face a lot harder than you're going to hit me. Yeah. And you're going to go further. You're willing to take more damage than they are. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Was there any cornerbacks that you matched up with that you felt like was on that same level as you? Oh, it was a ton of guys. Oh, it was was a ton of guys. Man, it was Revis, Tlaib. It was a ton of guys, right? But it ain't nothing you can do about it. Yeah. You just got to play. <laughs> yeah. Who's the who's the best cornerback you feel like? Toughest cornerback all around. I mean, Champ Bailey. Drake. How do you compare how do you compare Champ Bailey and, and Revis? I don't know because I, I played both of them at different phases of my career. Um, but at the end of the day, they were both hell of a corners. Yeah. Right? To say which one is better, they both they both made me watch a lot of film. Gotcha. Right. There's some guys I already knew I didn't have to watch film. I just knew what things I need to watch out for. Revis, Champ, and some of those other guys, I had to watch film because they were always evolving themselves. There gotcha. was always something new that I had to be careful of. You know, Richard Sherman, guys like that, I had to pay attention to. Mm. 
right? Versus some of the other guys where it was like, all right, they're going to do this. They're going to do that. All right, here it comes. Okay, they did it. All right, now you do this. And, they, you know, there were some guys that I knew the routine, yeah. right? So uh, in fighting, film study is a big thing. Uh, some people, there's all different theories on how to deal with this. Some people like to watch a lot of film and be super scientific and, you know, uh, know everything that guy's doing from, you know, the way his mannerisms are and in interviews to, you know, different things that he does in fights. And then other guys are, they don't really like to even watch any film because they just want to focus on what they're going to do. And uh, they don't want to over-respect this guy in any position. Where were you with when it comes to studying film? <clears throat> studying film for me was to tell me, you know, because I believe every year there was a different um, habit each player has to break, right? I I'm assuming UFC, you, you can fight a guy this year, last year, that he made the he, who he is is who he is to the core. But every year there's a new habit to break. Or 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 new mistake that they're making, mm. and yep. so I, when I watch film, I was looking at that. What mistakes are they making this year compared to what they didn't do last year, right? Gotcha. And in the NFL, you can be in a certain like in the NFC and the AFC. Sometimes you would only play a guy, um, like say I was injured. Say I got injured one year, and we were playing the San the, the at the time the San Diego Chargers. Or now the Los Angeles Chargers. In the NFC, if I got hurt that year and didn't play him, man, I wouldn't play him for another four or five years. Yeah, that's crazy. Right? So I would have to watch film because I would be playing a dude or a team that I have. I, the last time I saw him, hell, I, I had two kids. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. I'm playing them now. I got three kids. Right? <laughs> I played him in Baltimore. I got four kids and I got a in my and one of my oldest is off in college. That's <laughs> right. Crazy. So <clears throat> I watch film to see mannerisms, but also habits, scheme. And then really, I would watch the sequence of a game as well to see how they how do they handle success against an opponent. But also when they get beat, how do they respond? What do they do? Right. If I watch the corner get beat, there's some corners I watch them. If they're off coverage and you beat them, the next play, they're going to pressure. They are going to pressure. So I will watch that. So there were times if I beat a guy. When I line up, I say, come on, come on. I know you want to press. Come on, come on up here and press me. Come, come up. And they would be like. They second guess themselves. They second guess themselves. And that's when I got you. If you second guess yourself, that means now you doubt yourself. Mm. Ooh. Doubting yourself with me, that's like going to the bank. I'm in a car with you. You talking about how much money you got. And it says insufficient funds. Oh, buddy. <laughs> we going to talk about you, right? Yeah. Um, so in, I think it was 2005, you, you broke your leg, right? Is it 2005? Uh, the year before. Yeah. So 2004, yeah. you broke your leg. And then, so you were out for the season. And then, uh, and this is before you really became Steve Smith that everybody knew of, right? Like you didn't really make it yet. You were in, you were playing for the Panthers, but you weren't yeah. like the number one receiver or anything like that. I actually, I, I was getting there. I was you're, there. You're on your way there. You killed yep. it with like special teams beforehand, right? And yep. Were, yep. Um, so once you got injured, you came back the next year and had the best season of your career. Tell me about that whole transition and, and, and how'd you, how did you make that happen? Well, that's when I had, that was about a year and a half before I met Jed. I mean, a uh, year and a half. So I broke my leg 2004 after we got it, after um, 2004, after we made the, lost us to the, to the, to the uh, Tom Brady and New England Patriots in the Super Bowl 2003. And 2002 is actually when I met Jed. So I started training with Jed. 2004, started to see the benefits broke my leg, and then I had that whole offseason, and then I got with Jen, and we were going. And then after that, I just kept maintaining, and we just kind of tweaked 
we tweaked our my routine based on health wise, based on how I was feeling, how it was. And so, you know, and that's kind of how it went. And so I trained with Jeff from like 2002 until until I tore my Achilles in 2014. So I was with Jeff that whole time. And and it was we started a whole routine, which was after the season. Um, I would take a month off and that month off, uh, it was bad because I would just eat. I wouldn't do anything. And so, they, so about right after Valentine's day, I would go with Jeb and we would go once a week and I'll start going. And I'd be so out of shape. Cause I, I would go from wor- do, working through the season to not doing anything for mm-hmm. 30 days. Yeah. Yeah, thirty or forty-five days. I would go to, you know, I'd go to. Man, one time I went to Australia and for two weeks, like come back, and I was like, eh, "Let's get out, let's go, let's go yeah. work out." Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, so starting February, once a week, then we'll build it up to twice a week. Then in March, we're hitting it three times a week, and then April, we're getting it, and then May, we're getting it. Taper off. We'll have uh, OTA uh, um, mini camps. So about a week before mini camp, we'll ease off. Then I'll go. And then June, I'm killing it. Right after June is over, OTAs, optional team activities. I'll take about three weeks off. We'll go back home. We'll travel with the fam. And then come July, I would go July. I would go like the 28th, 20th of June till about a week and a half before training camp. And then right after, right before training camp starts, he would give me some light stuff. And then I would go into the season ready to go. And that was the routine. Every year, every time I would go, you know, family, we go on trips. Summertime, we go somewhere. I have three weeks off and then we got to be back in town because, I, you know, dad got to get to work. And that's that would be the routine. And I did that. All the time, every time. And so by 2005, 2006, and kept going, that was a routine, right? And then the routine was um, heart rate monitor through the workout to, to make sure that my heart rate wasn't getting too high um, because I would use the heart rate monitor during the, during the week, during the game, right? And he would see it. I had a polar, and he would see my, you know, how high my heart rate would get. Um, and then we would simulate that. So simulating it would look like my heart rate early on would never get past like 150, 160. And as I got closer to the season, my heart rate, he would allow it to increase because during the season, my heart rate would get up after a big play. My heart rate would be up 205 up to 225. Damn. And so being able to do that, I knew how many calories I would burn, which equaled out to I would lose about seven pounds after every game. I would burn between 35 to 4,500 calories a game. Wow. Um, max heart rate be 225, 215, down to 130. So I would be in a huddle looking at my heart rate, uh, doing my breathing to get my heart rate down. And so we simulated how to manipulate my heart rate to get it down so I can be able to go as frequently and as and, and high intensity as possible. But during those little 25 seconds, I would have to do breathing to get my heart rate down to be able to do that, right? To be able to maintain and 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 I also found out when I sweat, I lose a lot of sodium more than normal people. So my sodium intake in a healthy way, not artificially, was key. Uh, switch to organic. Um, just all these little things, uh, supplements, magnesium, how I slept, um, um, the supplements that I would take, natural homeopathic supplement zinc all of that stuff man it was uh it was something that was very very important and i felt it helped me mm. it probably couldn't have but the pro- finished product says it's pretty good and now same thing right um, my wife is big on it vitamin c powder zinc all this stuff that you know that we have <laughs> yeah. um that my wife is really good on um to the point of where we feed our dog raw. Oh, like, really? 
Yeah, like I was doing her food last night. What her food last night, what she had today was ground beef, green tripe, uh, beef hearts, beef kidney, liver, um, turkey neck, um, kale, uh, goat milk, um, uh, uh, vitamin C, uh, uh um, vitamin D, B12. This is the dog for the dog? dog. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You guys love it. And so, dog. and we do all raw and all that stuff. And uh, we do organic. My wife has, uh, my wife made tacos last night and she went out in the backyard and clipped the cilantro that we grow and, mm. you know, all of that stuff. So it's, it's a lifestyle, you know? Were you playing, when you were playing, you were eating like this too? When I was playing, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it was, uh, I'm, I'm from Cali. So organic, and, you know, I love sourdough and, Fresh, fresh orange juice. Uh, like now, I don't even drink K cups anymore because of the exposure mold and all that stuff. So we have coffee, you know, fresh brew coffee. Like everything for me, um, health wise, I, I try to maintain it. What kind of diet are you on right now? Is there? Um, when I first retired, I was on the I don't care diet, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but now, you know, kind of getting back to things. Um, you know, just uh, organic. Um, I don't eat pork. Um, like we do turkey bacon and we do beef bacon. Um, the the we get our food, our meat actually from a local farm here in Charlotte. Um, Which farm is that? Uh, I think it's called uh, Watson Farms. Watson, well, I gotta check it out. Are you? Is that like you're buying a cow or a half a cow type thing? And you take a half a cow is eighteen hundred bucks, bro. Yeah. You want to split a cow with me? Mm, I have to get a bigger freezer. Yeah, I know. It's a lot of, it's a lot of, it's a lot of room. Yeah. But we do, um, they bring the, they, they come twice a week to the house, got a cooler out on the porch and they, you know, my wife orders it. Um, and we do, uh, the eggs we get, man, they so fresh. We got to wash them. They still got bird poop on them. I love it. I, I, we're in the same boat. My wife sounds like your wife. She's, yeah, so. she, she keeps me in line. I got you, vitamin C. You outkicked your coverage then. What's that? I, I said you outkicked your coverage like me. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. yeah. You kidding me? I, I got a young. I got a young too. So, <laughs> yeah, high school sweethearts. Well, what, okay. uh, she, I, was, I was young too. We were both young. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I got, I got, got young. I'm noticed. <laughs> yeah, 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 not that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's funny. Talk to me about like, uh, I mean, you're happily, happily retired. You've done well for yourself, mm -hmm. you know, business wise, you have a great, uh, charity that you have that you started up. Um, talk to me about advice that you give, uh, you know, athletes when they're, when they decide they're going to retire. Um, and, uh, some of the things that you did for yourself to make that transition. You know, I, I, man, I was unique and I was, I had a little ADD. <laughs> um, I had took some internships uh, in my off season. I internship with some financial firms. I internship with a radio station, which led to me doing media. Um, I actually tried to intern with Pepsi and UPS, but they they told me no. Wow. Um, and so I, you know, I was always I was always interested in learning stuff, and that's why I was saying that you know I don't have any degrees, but. You know, I interned with Maury Stanley for two, you know, two and a half years. Um, interned with the radio station. Um, I'm currently thinking about um, um, I might do some uh, I might audit some classes at some some colleges down here in Charlotte to be able to get. I love data. So to be able to do that. And so thinking, uh, looking at some other stuff that I want to do. And then obviously my foundation. Um you know, we build our programs based on some of the things that I've experienced as a kid. Um, it wasn't my dad, but it was my my mom's husband. Um, he was abusive, so domestic violence, um, helping helping organizations, and then also we we're opening up a a, a mental health facility here in Charlotte as well. Um, that, that started construction, uh, which would be outpatient. Um, so. Um, you know, we have a, a free medical clinic um, that that's closed currently right now because we're renovating and open up some space to that's going to be an urgent care for the uninsured. 
Um, nice. We, we were doing insured and all that stuff, but we've shifted our focus and partnered with uh, with some with some people that are going to do uninsured the uh, uninsured urgent care, and it's been it's been up for about six years on Central Avenue, and so we we are shutting it down to do some renovations and and, and dealing with that um, because I I experienced you know, lack of insurance. And so what that did, so all of our programs for, and then we have after school for after school program for kids who um, have barriers of homelessness. Right. So we're doing that. So, you know, we're um, for me, business wise, uh, doing a lot of things, but doing it based off what I'm comfortable with. And then I do some housing and um, real estate stuff here. And it's, it's uh, I've been doing that for about almost four years now on about 26 properties. Damn. Um, and so uh, doing that. And so it's, it's, it's been fun and um, it's never fun evicting some people, but sometimes it happens. Uh, based you, off- do you actually manage some of them? Like do you actually deal with them? Um, you a management company? So I have, I have a management company that deals with it, but when the tenant's not in there and when the, the units being rehab. Um, like I'm building a unit right now. And um, I, I picked the colors. Uh, I picked the, the flooring. I picked the cabinet colors. I picked the, you know, the painting. I personally ordered the light fixtures. Um, one of the cool things is uh, every unit that new build that I have, um, it's a, it's on a slab. Um, and so I put a Bible in the slab and then, um, sometimes my kids do it, but I do it too. Mainly is um, I write scripture on the on the um, on the on the framing, right? And so I feel like you know that um, God's blessed me, and so putting the putting the Bible in the foundation, and then having scripture um, behind the walls, um, and so just little unique things like that that I do, and it's been it's been really fun, man, and I've. Um, I've lived a lot of different lives uh, in sports, but also in business, and um, it's been cool. I've learned. I've learned a lot. That's amazing. When uh, when did you start? Were you always a Christian, like in and devout? Oh no, I was a hellion. I was not always. A <laughs> <laughs> I was a demon. <laughs> um, you know, just as you get older, you start to realize that it's not you, right? You start to realize that uh, you know some of the things that I've been. I've been through and what I've gone through and what I will continue to go through, uh, you know, is it's, it's a blessing. And, um, but I, I really try not to be a, you know, a Bible, you know, hit you over the head with the Bible. I try to make it to where when you intimately sitting down with people and they can say, you know, what's different about you. And I say, you know, what's different about me and what I experienced is, you know, is this blessing that I received from this this guy that you never could see him, you never could feel him. But if you sit in your quiet time, if you sit or if you sit by yourself quiet enough, it's the small little voice who's talking to you, who's who's nudging you, who's telling you don't, who's telling you yes, who's telling you what about this? Um, and so you know, that's how I, I, I try to what I've tried to do with my with my religion, my businesses, all that stuff is I try to let my work speak for itself versus my actions. And so a lot of times um, I, was, I try to make it seem like I, I don't really have much going on because I, that, that seems a little bit um, easier. And it's, it seems to for me, it seems a little safer. Yeah, it's, yeah. But it's also being humble, right? Like walking quietly and carrying a big stick. Um, that's, that's a Teddy Roosevelt, uh, thing. That's the only quote I have from anybody. So yeah, I like that. I think it's important, you know, like someone who's coming around, going around telling everybody how much money they have and all these different things they're doing. It's usually, they got something that, you know, they're hiding. They're probably not doing, you know, as much as that they're leading on, you know, there's like yeah. insecurity there. Yeah. Um, you know, you definitely come off as a super humble dude who I know for a fact, moving to Charlotte, you you are, I'm so well respected out here. Like it's ridiculous. You, from what you do with your foundation and um, and how you carried yourself as a player, you know, if you had to 
mention one name from this area that sticks out that is, you, you know, this dude's the man around here. It is, it is Steve Smith. Well, I appreciate it. I, I, yeah. Man, I, I, I try to just, I just try to, I try to keep myself, you know, a little bit reserved and private just so um, it doesn't come across the wrong way is kind of like at times I, the way I play ball. You know, I sometimes I, I sometimes um, I kind of like to make it seem like, you know, I don't have anything. I'm broke and just kind of, you know, my kids will laugh sometimes at me. I'm like, ah, we can't I can't afford that. They'd be like, Dad, really? I'm like, well, I, I don't want to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, yeah, obviously you're you're doing good. Man. 26 properties. That's yeah. crazy. I'm I'm at I'm at three, and uh, I I plan on like I, I really want to get to that level of you know. I'm gonna tell you, in real estate, bro. It's it. Some days it's fun as hell, and other days it sucks. Yeah, right. It's like oh man, there's so many stories of like stuff. I'm like oh my gosh, like the what I struggle with is I have always struggled with it, and because I I, I just. I didn't have it a lot when I was growing up, man. I, I struggle with people, right? Yeah, because I'm so I'm so black and white, right? <laughs> and and I speak in absolutes, yeah. Versus like you know hypotheticals, I'm like no, I don't, I don't do hypothetical. Like, yeah, you don't like my philosophy is you don't hypothetically get your ass whooped. You just gonna get your ass whooped or you're not. It, yeah. <laughs> there's no yeah. gray. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, I'm, I'm going to, uh, I guess we'll, we'll finish with that, man. It's over 60 minutes. Uh, I'm going to come on your podcast soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited I, I about that. I forward to it, man. How do you, how you enjoying that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you don't know, but it's going to be a whole different vibe. Like, I already got, I got questions that I want to ask you. We got this, we got this, uh, we first, we start off, it's called Get Iced Up, man. And it's, uh, it's random questions. So I love it, man. Yeah. All right, brother. I really appreciate you doing this. No problem, man. And I, I look forward to, to hanging out with you. And uh, yeah. man, appreciate the opportunity. All right, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, Steve Smith is the freaking man. What a story about where he came from uh, and what he had to overcome. And it's always interesting to hear like how, you know, what people have gone through in their past that doesn't seem like a good thing but has made them into the person that they are. And it's the reason why they're probably so successful. And those, those habits that you build, uh, the chip on the shoulder that you develop in order to survive makes you something great. But then you turn around as a parent and you don't want to, you, your kids aren't going to have that same, you know, that same background and, and deal with those same experiences that you had to deal with. Um, and then you worry about like, you know, giving them that toughness at the same time um, without having those experiences. And it was cool being able to talk to him about that and how he how he deals with it as a father, which uh, we both agree. There's no uh, secret recipe to there's no right or wrong way to do it. Um, you just got to love your kids. Remember, if you want to hear more conversations like the one I just had with Steve Smith, all you have to do is click that follow button on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you do your listening. And if you didn't know, every podcast I do is also on YouTube. So if you're not subscribed yet, go ahead and subscribe now. I'll be back next week with another great guest. But until then, I'm Chris Wyman, and this is Won't Back Down. Thanks for listening. <laughs>